I'm Matt Brownell. And I'm Van Owens. And I'm Tim Adams. Welcome to Climbing the Mountain, where we dive into the scriptures and discuss themes, connections, and real-life application. We're kicking off a series here where we're going to examine the Sermon on the Mount and discuss implications for this teaching for Christians today. Well, we have a very special podcast today. This is going to be a little bit of a diversion, maybe one of our bonus episodes, so to speak, but it's really to set up what's going to happen for the next couple episodes. And so, so far in our study of the Sermon on the Mount, we've been examining how our righteousness should surpass that of the Pharisees, which has been challenging in a good way. But none of us has had a wildly differing view about what Jesus is saying. We each bring our own perspective, but we all generally agree about what we're looking at. So while these discussions have been challenging, they've also been very encouraging. However, we're about to approach a few topics now that will be challenging for different reasons, because we don't see things exactly the same, or we draw different opinions about how we should act as a result of Jesus's teachings. Some things in the Bible might be hard to understand, but this is an opportunity for us to exhibit the type of love Christ calls us to have, and it's an opportunity for each of us to learn. In our polarized, divided times, I'm reminded of a F. Scott Fitzgerald quote, the test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposed ideas in the mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function. Most of the time, if we're honest, we don't want to consider another's point of view. We'd rather feel right and feel good about ourselves. However, oftentimes, the exercise of looking at the other side of an issue reveals contours that we never understood before. So that's our hope going forward. And so I'm very excited about our future discussions. And I hope our listeners know how much each of us loves and respects each other. I hope that comes out. Each of us has a spirit of humility, knowing that someone we respect in the highest way looks at something differently than us. So because the Sermon on the Mount elicits differing interpretations, it raises a very important question. How do we wrestle with the Word of God individually and in community? What does it mean for us to develop a conviction beyond the confines of our own little room, beyond just what we feel or think in isolation? The way we are going to approach this topic is to look at several aspects, debatable matters, essential matters, spiritual discernment, and hermeneutics, which is a fancy word for how we interpret scripture, what lens we apply to understand it. For debatable matters, we'll draw from Romans 14, and that's where we'll start. Paul turns his focus then to resolving very practical but huge matters of difference among a diverse body of Jews and Gentiles. He turns to how we're to treat each other when we have differing matters of belief. So let's read Romans 14. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. 
Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. The thrust of Paul's instruction in chapters 14 is that we welcome each other, especially those that differ in opinion from us. In verse 4, Paul reminds us that we are on the same level as everyone else we see at church. All our fellow servants under God are common master. We're not in the position to judge each other like he can. Paul does the same thing a few verses later when he references life and death and appearing before the judgment seat of God. Now, what I find so fascinating about this section is that we have a debatable matter, you know, matters of belief, debatable, that on the surface might not seem like a big deal to us today, but it's getting major attention. Paul's pulling out all the big guns to deal with something that you and I might think is eh, really kind of small potatoes. Why does he do that? And is there an underlying danger here that he's addressing? Yeah, thanks for that intro, Matt. And I am glad that we're taking this time to think about how we wrestle with the word individually and in community. Uh, It's something that is a little meta (laughs) because we've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount and how to understand it and how to make it apply to our lives. But this is this is really important because it's going to guide, it's kind of our framework for everything else that we're going to do. Um, so yeah, in answer to your question, uh, it is, it is interesting that the matters that Paul is talking about in Romans 14, they might not seem like a big deal to us, but I think it is important to note that they were a really big deal in the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's there's a couple of main ones. The main one is eating food that was sacrificed to idols, uh, basically eating meat. And that's talked about in Acts 15. It's talked about in 1 Corinthians, here in Romans. So it came, was coming up a bunch. Um, and then also there was, you know, considering like one day alike or considering different days sacred. My understanding is that's talking about religious observances like Jewish the Jewish law, right? And how mm-hmm. Gentiles are supposed to or not supposed to observe the the old laws and customs um, from the Old Testament. So really, really big issues uh, at the time, even if they don't feel like a massive deal to us right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, that is, a, I'm glad you pointed that out because you're right. It's hard to, and I think it's very important. And we'll talk about this when we talk about hermeneutics to get into the mind of, of the audience. These were letters that were written to a specific group of people at a specific time. And we are 2000 years divorced from that time. They're both looking at the Bible, presumably, and thinking about something, drawing completely different conclusions from looking at the same thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is this is such a great topic to talk about. And I think particularly in this day and age, because what we're really talking about is how you develop your individual convictions based upon the word. And I think um, that word conviction 
you know, is sort of the way Inigo Montoya thought. <laughs> I don't think that word means what you think it means <laughs> sometimes with people because I think people will have an emotional reaction to something that is based upon what they were taught growing up or uh, based upon some kind of uh, tribal connection to uh, a, a particular party or a particular way of thinking or a particular philosophy. And they will take the emotional reflexive reaction and say, this is my conviction, hmm. which is not what a conviction is. Um, biblically, a conviction is something that you develop from reading, studying, meditating on the Word of God. And we do have to do that as individuals, and we have to do that in our community as well. And until we do that, we can't really call it a conviction. And so what we have to contend with is all of these sort of pseudo-convictions floating out there. Hmm. And some of them are things that, you know, it might be something that matters a lot to me, but doesn't matter as much to you. It doesn't concern you because it's not something that you think about, or it's not something that, that um, particularly affects your life. And so um, it's very easy for me to trivialize that, whether I do it unwittingly or purposefully. Um, and in the same way, it would be very easy for you to accuse me of being, um, you know, prejudiced against your way of thinking. And so it's really important to have a, a, a type of devotional life in which you wrestle with the scriptures. Yeah, this is a huge issue, Van, that you bring up, especially for our society and where we live right now. Mm -hmm. I I feel like people are allergic to reading the Bible sometimes. Like they would rather take a uh, hot take on something mm -hmm. and then make that their strongly held feeling that they say is a conviction, but what is it based on? Yeah, and then it's very easy. If you do it backwards, then if you if you go in trying to manipulate what the word of God says, Ooh. you can make it say anything. It's been used to justify things that most people will believe are not valid things anymore. You can use, the Bible has been used to justify slavery. It's been used yep. to justify anti-Semitism. It's been used to justify misogyny. And you can pick and choose and pull out things out of context and make it seem like that's what it's saying. And so it's very important to go in with an open mind mm. to say, this is a, knowing how you feel, knowing how you think, but at the same time, being willing to be open to the scriptures yeah. and uh, to let the scriptures challenge what you feel yeah. and challenge what you think. That's really difficult to do. And I think that's why people are kind of allergic to studying the Bible. You don't want to read the part that you know says the thing that disagrees with you. Well, it, it, also, it also brings up one of the essential attitudes that you should have when you approach the scriptures is that of humility, right? Mm -hmm. And so being, I can't tell you how many times I've over the years realized, Hey, what I thought the Bible said, it doesn't say that. Bah, whoops. <laughs> I guess I got to reorient what I was thinking. This is a long process. 
to develop convictions, it, you know, it, it, biblical ones take time as you start to read through things again and again, and then you start to make connections. I didn't make connections with certain things until 10, 20. I, I'm now seeing more and more than I ever had, one, but it, it, you have to keep at it. And so mm-hmm. um, not to overwhelm people who might just have become a Christian, but uh, <laughs> you know, this is the, when you get to debatable matters, which is what we're talking about tonight, these are, these are things where I think we'll, and we'll probably get to this. Uh, you, you are developing spiritual discernment about things, right. too, which doesn't come in a blink of an eye, but, Let's get let's get back to so we were let's get back to this uh, to the to the scripture here we're we're studying in Romans fourteen. So Paul brings up days and he brings up food as matters of of debate in this this uh, congregation, and then he says in verse five he continues one person esteems one day as better than another while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Okay, now this is totally fascinating too. Why does Paul write, we should be fully convinced of something debatable? Doesn't that sound like a recipe for further division? Why is it so important that we are fully convinced and why should it not lead to division? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and it is, I think, partly connected to what Van was talking about when we, when we equate our convictions with our opinions that are just an emotional re- response. Actually, those emotional responses change, mm-hmm. right? They change very, very fluidly depending on how we're feeling uh, in the moment or what feels convenient. And when I think about what's, what does it mean to be fully convinced, that means that you've really thought about this particular issue mm-hmm. and from as a christian it means that you've really gone to the scriptures and you've prayed to get discernment from the spirit about how to understand all of this and i think you'd be able to both explain why you believe what you believe but note the areas in which, you know, maybe that foundation is not on an explicit quote from scripture that says, this is the way it is, but, mm-hmm. oh, I developed, you know, this and this and this and this opinion and foundation based on a set of principles. And so you realize that a lot of, even though you're convinced, you realize my foundation is based at some level just on my own understanding, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can track your own logic and when we can do that you can see the areas in which my logic is very sound Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it has a firm foundation in the scriptures and other places where maybe i assumed something here here and here and i can Mm -hmm. that makes sense to me but it's those assumptions that i may not necessarily be able to hold onto someone else Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that when he when he says being fully convinced, I'm not you know not an expert in language, but I wonder if convinced and conviction have the same root. I think they probably do, and I think that when it comes to a debatable matter, 
Um, we have to understand that uh, anything that's a debatable matter among um, among brethren in the same fellowship is something that can potentially divide us. And so if I'm going to uh, have a stance that is contrary to a stance that Brother Adams has, then I need to not just have that because I want it or because it's the way I grew up or it's because I just prefer it. I need to have a conviction about it. In other words, I need to be fully convinced based upon my relationship with God, based upon my understanding of the scriptures, what my conviction is about that. So that when that thing comes up, I can explain in love, in humility to Tim, this is why I do, this is why I do what I do in this particular matter. This mm. is what I believe. All the while, keeping myself open to what he believes. Yeah. All the while, keeping, you know, I might be jumping the gun a little bit and talking about this more in community, but they, there's, not a, there's not a hard dividing line right. between wrestling with the scriptures on your own and wrestling in community or wrestling with somebody else. The, the line is fuzzy there. They're, they're very, very interrelated. And it's very important for me to have a conviction about it that is based upon the solid foundation of the scriptures and not just based upon personal preference yep. or, um, or anything else other than the scriptures, because anything else other than the scriptures is going to be a compromised foundation. It's going to be sh sifting, shifting sand right. is what it's going to be. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It can change with the times. Yep. And I, so I really like what you guys are saying about developing convictions based on the word of God. It feels like you're at peace internally and you're able to be humble toward other people. And I think um, that's something that is so important for the the body of Christ to be is unified. And I think humility is one of the huge parts of it. In Revelation uh, 1, 10, uh, John actually references the Lord's day. And evidently, um, you know, the Christians viewed Jesus's resurrection as the dawning of a new day. And the Sabbath was the day of rest and, and God rested and then on, from creation on the seventh day. And then Jesus was crucified on Passover. And he, he slept in the tomb until Sunday morning when he woke and arose. And now his new work of creation is begun. And, you know, in Romans 13, we have a kind of a, a reference to this. Um, but, the, the, you know, this new day has begun and we're to work. And so you could see... There, there is a conflict there now between one group thinking one day is really important and another group thinking there's another day that's really important. And they're, they're both right in some ways, but mm -hmm. they could be totally convinced and then still be unified because I think in them being unified demonstrates something bigger mm -hmm. in that God is, you know, we, we value God and relationship and the the things that 
um, you know, if we're fully convinced about something, we're not afraid, uh, you know, digging into our position. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we're willing to, to not make that be something that would hurt our brother or sister that, that God has had Jesus die for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that, that part, as I was reading Romans 14, that felt so critical um, and, and really Paul just keeps on going at it over and over again. In mm-hmm. verse 13, he says, therefore let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. In verse 15, it says, for if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love mm-hmm. by what you eat. Do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. And so it, it felt really clear that reading Romans 14, when I'm looking at the conversation that I'm having with someone else or my interactions with someone. We might disagree about something that I have a deep conviction on myself, Mm -hmm. but in that whole interaction, this is my brother or sister for whom Christ died. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. And so I can't bring myself, set myself above them. I can't assume that their opinion or the spirit within them is, void mm-hmm. or that you know only i have access to what is true like there's like this deep humility and recognition that this person is just as loved by god mm-hmm. as i am loved by god and that's needs to impact all of my interactions with them yeah it's almost like i would rather be wronged you know or mm-hmm. i would rather lay down my privilege or my freedom to do whatever i want to do like eat like right, Paul says, he's fully convinced that no food is unclean. He says that in Rome, First uh, Corinthians eight, and he references the Old Testament, Psalm I don't know twenty four or twenty seven or something. I anyway, he references the the Old Testament, and he's convinced, totally convinced. And then you even have like you know Mark seven, where he he puts a little. Oh, you know, by this, Jesus declared all food clean. Mm-hmm. And if you think, you know, Mark was probably one of the early gospels. It, the tradition is that he uh, recorded Peter's uh, sermons and and Peter, we all know, had that vision, right? So, uh, you, you know, he's, he's probably interjecting. Oh, yeah. When Jesus said that back there, hey, I didn't see that at first, but, you know, all food's clean. And so Paul is fully convinced, but he would rather not let something silly like food wreck his brother or sister's faith. Mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe a good place to pick up next time when we come back to this, because I think we're going to have to get into faith more. Sounds good. See you guys next time. Bye.